Welcome to Rip Stop on the Record, a podcast where fabric enthusiasts and DIY gurus discuss all things make your own gear, with the occasional poor attempt at comedy to keep it interesting. I'm Kyle Baker, the owner and founder of Rip Stop by the Roll, and we're excited to have you listening. Hey everyone, welcome to Rip Stop on the Record. I'm Jameson. Carter here. And I'm Avery. In today's episode, we will be discussing the 10 things you should not do when making your own gear. Our hope is that we can give you some tips so you can avoid some of the uh, misadventure down the road. And a reminder that if you'd like to watch this episode, head over to YouTube where you can watch any of our podcast episodes. This episode will be live on Thursday, June 22nd. We'll get to the main part in a bit, but first let's talk about some product. So uh, product dude. Hey, yeah. So uh, for those of you that like to have good products and not spend as much money for them, we've added, I don't even know how many, like 30 new products to the outlet. Uh, These are products that we're either trying to get rid of so that we can bring space, get some space to bring on new stuff, or maybe we want to create a new version down the road. But at any rate, they're the same products that you love, and now you can buy them for less money. So go check out our outlet and buy some stuff because we like when you do that. We also have two new products that are going up on our website. They are these MYOG hats that Carter is modeling for us. They were a big hit at Trail Days, and we wanted to add them to the website. So head on over to the website to get your hat. We also have some exclusive stuff sack kits and also DIY stuff sack kits. We have them finished and also available for you to make with a really cool mountain print. There's very few of those. So once they're gone, they're gone. Also, I made the prices for these uh, and they're really low. I don't think that you're going to find a professionally made uh, Dynina. Dynina? Wow. <laughs> Dynina, <laughs> Depenta. Anyways, DCF uh, <laughs> roll top dry bag uh, for the price that we're going to offer it. Um, so I expect those to sell out really quickly, but. Anyways, yeah, go check them out. Also, these hats are made by Boko Gear, which if you're into hats, then you know that those are some of the best technical like headwear pieces that you can have. They look nice, but also they're great for being outdoors. So. Technical trucker. Yep. All right, let's get into the episode here. So the bulk of the episode is focused on 10 things you should not do when making your own gear. Uh, so we're kind of falling for the modern podcaster trope by letting this episode be influenced by AI. So this was uh, this was Avery's idea, and I got to admit, it's really good. Yeah, we came up with uh, this podcast episode entitled in one of our our last podcast meetings, and we just we thought about constructing it the good old fashioned way. Uh, you know, with our human brains, but we decided <laughs> to see what ChatGPT would come up with. So this podcast is brought to you by ChatGPT. <laughs> Shout out, Mr. PT. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, get ready for some exciting stuff. Of course, we had to make a few tweaks to Mr. PT's uh, recommendations, but overall it was a fun exercise, <laughs> and I think we have some good stuff to, to share with you. All right, let's get right into it with... Number one. So the first point that we have uh, for what to do when not, or what not to do when making your own gear. I almost said what what not to make your own gear. <laughs> I think that would be bad marketing on our behalf. All right, first point is do not skip research before getting a machine. 
yeah, I can I can take this one. Um, so this is probably one of the most questions we get asked on social media and just through our customer support is what machine to start with. And we already have some really valuable resources out there and other resources that have been put out there for us. So first stop, Reddit. Um, I would do some research on Reddit. You can go to the sewing community and you can also go to the MYOG community as well. Uh, if you have a question, it's probably been asked before. Um, and there's lots of people who have already answered it for you. So yeah, go keyword search on Reddit and see what you can find. We also have some other resources for you. Um, we've done past podcast episodes on sewing machines. So on episode 44, you can hear about your sewing machine needs. And then um, a more recent episode with Heath, we have episode 66, and that is your sewing machine scoring criteria, which can help you nail down what you're looking for in terms of power and price and et cetera for your making needs. So that's kind of my advice. Yeah, I would say that is like one of the questions that we got most at Trail Days as well is like, what can, like, can my home machine sew through this stuff? And uh, I would say it's, I, I understand the concern. And also for anyone that's having that fear, don't be super concerned about your machine being able to handle it. Just dive in on the research of your machine. Like the first thing you want to know is not, can my machine sew through Hyper D 300, but like, where's the back tack button on my machine? <laughs> There's a lot of other things you want to know instead of like, can it sew through most materials? Cause that's not a problem really. Right. Yeah. Well, I think number one is uh, usually for people that don't have a machine, right. And they're like, okay, I want to make something uh maybe they're probably someone who likes to make stuff already maybe with like wood or i don't know clay play-doh whatever people make stuff with i don't know i'm not artistic but yeah i think uh doing some research and listening to some of those other podcasts can help you feel not so concerned about going to buy one yeah uh, because a lot of people will just say oh well if your grandma has one go steal that but okay well if that's not an option for you and you want to get started that's where you don't want to overlook doing some research which kind of leads us, you kind of led us into number two, which is do not overlook getting to know your machine. So if you've already got one, right now you do need to know where the back tack button is. You need to buy one of our $10 free shipping DIY boxes uh, that lets you use a bunch of different materials and sew through it and see how it works. You can get the tension dialed in. Uh, most machines have resources online for you to check out like, okay, this is how you thread this. This is how you don't thread this, uh, Jameson. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, funny funny story about getting to know your machine. Uh, I've been threading our industrial machine wrong for the last, like, three months. Not forever, because I only had that problem on the last project that I did. But so somehow, you know, in, what was three months ago, March, I forgot how our machine worked. And, uh, yeah, kind of ruined a whole backpack project I was working on. It happens. So I think that's another thing uh, that these 10 tenants are something that are applicable to everyone, right? Jameson's made a lot of stuff, more than me at this point, uh, and he still needs a refresher sometimes with his machine relationship. Oops. All right. So that's number two. Number three, do not overlook fabric application. Yeah, I th this is something that we talk about quite frequently, but uh, I, if you're someone who is already doing research on your sewing machine, you're getting to know it, and you know you want to make a project, uh, 
and you're not buying one of our kits because if you buy our kits, we've already picked the fabric for you that will work for that project, right? But if you want to get creative, which is one of the best parts of making your own gear, then you want to know which fabric is best for a backpack, right? And our website does that for you a little bit where we divide things up by pack fabrics or ultralight fabrics or quilt fabrics or whatever. Um, but it's also good for you to go outside of that and read some of our eBooks about the different laminates and composites that we have or watch YouTube videos. Uh, same thing. I, I think a lot of DIY, although it's a free spirit type of thing, uh, it will make your life a lot easier if you just kind of sink into it for a little bit and go on the internet and see what happens. But, you know, be safe on the internet too. <laughs> also add that um, our product pages are a really good place to read. Um, I'm not sure if people like to look at the pictures of the fabric and skip over the details, but our team spends a lot of time writing in everything you need to know about the fabric construction and also um, we'll list uses for the fabric. So that's a really good place to start. If you're like, is this fabric good for X? Read the product description. Um, we'll probably have suggestions on there. And then this might be a poor <laughs> recommendation since it was one of our earliest podcast episodes. But episode four, we talk about fabric application details. I can't promise that it's not perfectly produced. Um, but it was a great episode and there's lots of information if you want to listen to that and brush up on some of your fabric details. Also, I think, is that one that might have some colorful language in it? Definitely. Yeah, so just be advised, it, I'm probably cussing on that. Uh, <laughs> you know, nothing too wild, but uh, more of a casual conversation than we have today. But I do think that it's probably still full to the brim with useful information for fabric application. I want to add one other aspect to the our, our third point here about not overlooking fabric application. There's a difference between overlooking the application entirely. I'm going to use put, make myself look quite dumb here again. Like when you uh, make, hard. you may or may not make a tarp uh, with uh, like one six hyper D and, and 2.2 hex 70 DWR <laughs> uh, sun tarp. I mean, uh, but there's also there's a difference between like not knowing how the fabric applies at all and then choosing the best one between uh like two comparable pack fabrics don't if like if we give you a recommendation or you're between like ultra 200 and or ultra 100 and 50 dcf or something you're not going to go too wrong with either one of those but if you're looking at 2.2 hex 70 dwr and ultra 200 then that's when you really need to be concerned about fabric application correct Yes, so you don't want to make a an entire quilt out of a waterproof, material, yeah, which does yeah. happen. Like I think that's yeah. a good point. Yeah, but don't but don't let uh don't let the analysis steer you too far away from just realizing that we're going to make good fabrics, and as long as you have a, a decent basis, you you are going to be okay. All right. So number four, do not start without ensuring you have all your materials and components. There's got to be a story behind this one. I think this is, I mean, this has certainly happened to me, right? Especially whenever I first started here, however long ago that was, 500 years ago. And we didn't, Moses, we didn't have, by the role. <laughs> you know, we've spent the past 500 years building our product lines, but we're still not there. Like, it's still not completely full. Uh, but back then we had even less. So there would be lots of times where I'd be building a backpack and I've thought everything out. I know all the materials and... Then I'm like, oh, wait, I have to build straps. 
but we don't have this piece of hardware. We don't have this ladder lock in the size of webbing that I chose. So now I have to like go try to find this somewhere. Uh, and that can be really deflating, especially if you only have so much time in your week, if you have a family or, you know, obviously a job and all that stuff, like you're probably setting aside time, uh, to make your backpack and then you realize that you can't move forward with it. That can be deflating. That can take away some of the spirit and you might not come back to it because I've done that a lot too. So yes, I think it's important as much as you can to, as you're doing all the research about which fabric to choose, make sure that you know which components to use and try to get them all. Hopefully at this point we have mostly everything that you need. So if you're on our site, that's a really great, great place to start. But yeah, maybe you want to, there's a specific like neon pink buckle that you want to use. And that's not something that we have. Then make sure you get that first. And then once you have everything, you can start. I would also add for me uh, in terms of missing materials or components, mine tend to be not having the right buckle size for the right webbing. So maybe I have a, a three quarter inch buckle and one inch webbing or grow grain. And then also the correct size zipper slider for your zipper has happened to me many times where I sew the zipper and I go to put the zipper slider on it and it's a number three zipper and a number five slider. And I'm messaging Carter going, why does this, why is it not working? And we already know how difficult putting the slider on a zipper can be. So make sure you have the correct size slider for the correct size zipper. It will save you a lot of, a lot of headache. <laughs> For me, so number four and five blend together a little bit. The next one we're going to do, and you'll see in a second. But uh, for me, a lot of this has to do with, like, when I think of ensuring you have all your materials and components, it's having all of them. Like, you could think of it a couple different ways. You can think about having, like, physically having them on your sewing table with you. But I think of them as uh, having them written down and having the whole, like, plan written out. So like when I'm designing something, I'm sketching it on a piece of paper. I'm going through and asking myself questions like, how does this connect? Uh, what uh, what webbing does this connect with or what grow grain? What size is that? Like going through every step of the process. And as long as I have on the piece of paper written out, okay, this is every single piece that I'll need because the problem that I've run into when I'm making stuff and I realize I didn't have the correct connection point, then I normally have to make some exception or make some adjustment to the original design because I didn't account for, oh, I really thought I could put this buckle here, but I don't actually have this, like, this webbing here or this space to put that webbing and then you need to change everything. So get really detailed in your, in your write up ahead of time and making sure it's all at least written out and if, if it's even better if you can have it in person but you know shipping time and stuff which uh does lead into number five just do not skip prototyping yeah that definitely leads into that and that's something that uh not all of us do but i think that depending on what your what your reason for making is if you're just trying to let off some steam and you want to make something and you don't really care how it turns out like you're not trying to build a perfectly usable like ultralight backpack that you're going to use for a through hike i think that's a little bit different um it could still be helpful to prototype but i think it's more important whenever you're you've put a lot of money into something or a lot of time into planning don't jump right in with all of those expensive materials that you've worked for and spent time on and planned out just don't do that like it sometimes it's going to work out but like the best designers in the world don't just jump in with their most expensive materials and just try to make the perfect product, right? So get some inexpensive material or free material if you can find it. Uh, use Tyvek. Use a material that might be similar to whatever your finished product will be. 
And it doesn't mean you have to make the entire thing, right? Like you don't have to sew the zipper on four times and like put all the sliders on if you're making something that's going to use a zipper. But I think a lot of times you'll find out like, oh, kind of like what Jameson was saying is he gets to a, a spot in his project and realizes, oh, that buckle won't go here. Well, if you build a prototype, at least a basic one, then you'll see that you don't have space and you can make that change before you've already been sewing on your final material or with your final components. So I I think prototyping is awesome. It normally ends up in you having, saving you time overall, even though it doesn't seem like it. Uh, so yeah, as you can tell, I'm passionate about that because at first I didn't do that either. And I would just make, and then you're like, oh, I really wish, you know, I spent 26 hours building this DCF backpack. I really wish I would have made the side pockets bigger <laughs> and it doesn't fit the water bottle the way that I thought it would. Been there. Instead of that, just make a quick mock-up of it. So, yeah, prototype. Or what is it? Don't forget to prototype. Avery, what type of prototyping do you do? Like, are you a pen and paper sketch out, uh, spreadsheet person? Like, how do you plan your projects? Um. Well, I went to art school, so I'm not a math person. So I tend to <laughs> I really force myself to kind of, like, draw some a small scale design in like a little maker notebook I have, and then just write out measurements because I'm also like slightly dyslexic and I will forget. So just writing down the measurements and then adding in seam allowance and things I need really helps that way. My squirrel brain doesn't forget and I can go back in my maker book and look, and I also have it if I want to remake something. So then I'm not like, Oh, I really want to, remake this type of bag again, but I can't remember the measurements I used. I can go back to my little maker notebook and kind of have my own notes, kind of like if you had a recipe book and then I write like maybe what I would have done differently, but that way I have all my original measurements in there. So when I am done, I can tweak it or make those notes or go back, but it helps me keep myself accountable because my brain is all over the place, especially when it comes to numbers and seam allowance. <laughs> okay, that is a great point. Another good thing for prototyping is when you take pen to paper on some of these things and you start to envision like, oh, my pack's going to be 10 inches wide and uh, 18 inches tall or, or whatever it is, you'll start to notice some of the discrepancies in there. As like, So seam allowance is a great one that when I was not prototyping correctly, I messed up the seam allowance every time <laughs> like if you just think in your head like oh i'm gonna make this thing to be this dimension or whatever that dimension is you don't think about the half inch or quarter inch or if you need to do uh like a fancy seam or whatever uh how much you're gonna tape over if you're so like another thing that i think about now a lot is when i'm planning on binding something and i'm gonna be inserting like a frame sheet or a plastic sheet or something that becomes really important like you can't just come up with the allowance that you're gonna need because that the seam allowance and then how you're like what you're going to bind and then how you're going to fit whatever the structural material is if that's what you're doing it's incredibly important that you get those measurements right and prototyping correctly will help alleviate so much pain of that like with that later on for sure oh one final thing i would say is this isn't going to be for everybody but uh 3d modeling if you have the skill or the time or the resources to be able to do that is normally the way that i prototype things so i'll build something up and put it you know, basically just build out what the backpack will look like when it's finished in some sort of computer software. Again, that's a little bit advanced. I don't expect that most people, now if you have like an engineering background or drafting or something, then 
you'll probably that'll be how you're comfortable doing it as well but just wanted to say that can be that might be easier for some people than pen and paper yeah yeah that's a great point i think it's probably where things are going like 3d modeling is going to become more accessible as time goes on and like microsoft paint will become 3d modeling eventually you know <clears throat> i forgot about microsoft paint. <laughs> all right number six so uh jason I know you're listening or you will be listening. This one is for you, I guess, but also just for, for everybody because this is what ChatGBT recommended or what we thought they recommended. Do not start sewing before watching the, in quotes, entire instructional video. So I'm going to give everyone a lesson on how to watch our tutorial videos and then also just recommendations for other things. The way that we expect you to interact with our instructional videos is you probably want to give it a scouting mission before you start running the needle through the fabric. What I mean by that is watch the video, understand all the steps first, and then go through while you're actually sewing. What ends up happening if you don't do it this way is while you're sewing, you try to anticipate the next step. And there might be something in there that we are telling you to not do or do mid process that you might miss if you you haven't already gone through. So if you know for a fact that on the DZP, you're going to have to add the uh, zipper pulls and you try to do it ahead of time, there might be something that we told you like, don't forget to add the slider here. And all of a sudden you add a zipper slider, the pulls, and you forgot that step. So give it a scouting mission, watch it through first, watch the entire instructional video before you start ripping stuff apart. Yeah, I also think it can be difficult Outside of the fact that maybe you try to anticipate, someone might try to anticipate what's going to happen and then make a mistake. The other issue is that it's just difficult to absorb that information while you're doing something that inquires, inquires, requires all of your focus, right? When I'm sewing, I'm good at sewing, okay? Pretty good at it, I'd say. There's no shot that I'm going to be trying to sew on a zipper and then looking over at my phone and trying to watch the, <laughs> what's happening. You're going, you're not going to be able to either you're going to create a ton of stress for yourself or you're, you're going to miss one or the other. You're either going to not sew a great stitch or you're not going to hear what Isaac is saying in the video or seeing the graphic that's up on the screen. Um, and of course this is kind of a joke to Jason because this has happened to him. Um, <laughs> We do love and you, also, Jason, and you're a good sewer. It happened to Jason because it probably happens to a lot of people. I don't think he's that special. like <laughs> Definitely not. You know, like, th that's a real thing, and it's because you're excited and you're creative and you want to get going and you're confident, and those are all great things. But we spend time on these videos so that you can be even more confident, so that you can watch it through, you can pause it, you can put it in slow motion and watch Isaac so like that. Do that first and then start sewing. And then if you if you get stumped or you have questions, reach out to us. Don't just go for it unless you want to. Do you think people watch our videos on different speeds? Do you think people out there that are like watching the tutorial videos at 2.2 speed or something? Probably, yeah. People that value their time. <laughs> That's the way my wife listens to all of her ebooks and podcasts at like over two speed. In the ground there lived a hobbit and his name was Bilbo. <laughs> <laughs> it's overwhelming. I can't imagine doing a tutorial video at like multiple speeds. That'd be crazy. That is kind of wild. Yeah. All right. Number seven, do not neglect using the right thread and needle or tension for your project. The TNT. That's right. We say it every video. 
So yeah, that is also another question I get a lot or see a lot just scrolling through Reddit is people posting a picture of their project and they're going to show you the underside and say, why is my thread doing this? Um, probably because you don't have the right thread or the right size needle in conjunction for the fabric that you're working with. So always test your tension with a, a scrap piece of fabric with the same type of scrap that you will be sewing with. You don't want to test it with a piece of X-Pack VX21. If you're sewing with 0.51 Dyneema, <laughs> you're not going to have the same uh, tension or thread size or needle size for that. So Carter and the product team have been adding needle and thread sizes to the product page. Um, I can't say that every single fabric page has it, the exact size you need, but most of them are on there. And if you ever have a question, you can reach out. We have lots of resources and graphics that we can send you that you can save um, to kind of have in your back pocket for when you're sewing. And to that point as well, don't forget to change your needle. If you haven't changed your needle yes. in a few projects, uh, you might want to do that. So that kind of goes along with that. And I'm sure Carter might have some more technical information in terms of what size sort of needle you should be using for different weight fabrics. Sure. One thing that I, I, I definitely think TNT is important. I think having your machine threaded properly and like your bobbins full and a fresh needle is the most important. Oftentimes I find that just like with the fabric application stuff, people can get like, this is like probably our number one customer service question. And to me, it's just not something that I ever think about or am worried about because as long as you have needle and thread and they go together and you're able to thread it through and there's nothing weird happening, your project's going to be fine. It's going to be strong enough. There might be more ideal needles if you're sewing needle and thread combos, if you're sewing like denim, like, and I understand the fears like, Oh, if I make a hammock and it's not out of strong thread, it's going to explode. It's it, it'll be fine. Like it, it really will. Um, of course, most people that are making their own stuff are analytical and they are, critical thinkers and so am I and that's awesome but also if you if your machine has a needle and thread in it or you buy needle and thread combo just sew with it first and it'll probably be fine you can dial in the tension for whatever you have now like Avery said we do have recommendations but for the most part like a size 12 needle and Mara 70 you could do basically everything like so yeah don't don't let that uh keep you up at night if that's the only needle and thread you have and you want to make a pack like your pack's not going to fall apart if you're using proper techniques i was just going to say i want to say too that a quick rule of thumb without giving you numbers that you're not going to remember anyways is the thinner the fabric <laughs> the smaller the needle the smaller the thread the thicker the fabric aka if you're sewing denim you want a thicker needle and thicker thread um but yeah, that's just the quick rule of thumb and a reminder for when you're sewing with different weights of fabrics. What Carter has actually taught me is make sure your thread and needle correspond to some extent. So whatever size needle and thread you are using, it's probably going to be fine, but make sure you're not using a microscopic needle with a huge thread. Right. And you can also Google that. Like, yeah. I understand. Again, you can totally ask us. We're always going to be here to help you. But if you found some thread in your cabinet and it says polyester, or like outdoor thread, or you found something like that, you can look up the recommended needle size just by typing it in. So, of course, always ask us, but 
if you accidentally use the wrong one, as long as it's not an insane difference, your project will be fine. Number eight, do not neglect working your way up the project ladder. Carter, what does that mean? Uh, so this by no means is like saying that you shouldn't go for something if you want. If you have big aspirations and you just want to make a backpack and that's really what you want to do, that can help you learn a lot. So I'm not trying to discourage people from doing what they want to do. But I do often find, again, like there are these personality traits that come with people that are like DIYers or MYOGers, and we dream big usually. So a lot of times someone's like, man, a backpack would be cool, but I've never sewn before. I'm going to make that. I personally don't recommend that. I think that, you know, you can end up making some really cool gear by just buying a few of our DIY kits or making your own small zipper pouch first. It helps you kind of do number one and number two and number three that we talked about where you can get to know your machine a little better. You can figure out the needle intention. Like prototyping is, is one thing, but I think like just starting with small, easy projects, watching the video all the way through, uh, Jason, and that type of stuff will ultimately allow you to make a better, like big thing that you want to make again. Not trying to squander anybody's hopes and dreams, um, but I really think that starting with like our DIY stuff set kit, like we designed that kit so that you can kind of oil up the machine a little bit. You feel me? And I'm not talking the sewing machine. I'm talking the human machine. Sometimes you need a little lubrication to get it going, and I think that can be really helpful um, so that you don't, again, you don't want to end up spending 68 hours designing this backpack and you've never sewn before, and now you just don't you don't have something that you're proud of. I, you might, um, but it's so easy to make a ZPP or make a hammock or something, and it'll be useful for you or a gift for someone else. So yeah, there are steps to things. Not everyone will follow those, and that's okay, but I do recommend it. I, I think that it'll make your journey better. I'm going to take the uh, opposite route. Not really. I mean, it's not it's not really the opposite at all, but it's a different way of getting there, I guess, where like my first project that I wanted to make was a running pack for my 50 K. And like, that was, that was truly the, the inspiration. And that was the number one thing I wanted to make. And I guess I would encourage people. Well, if, well, I would not discourage anyone if they were just like, no, I want to start with a, a DZP. Like you should, what I, I guess what I'm saying is follow the inspiration that you have to make stuff. The, the inspiration you have to make gear, I think, will carry you through. So if you want to make something big when you don't have the skills to do that, uh, I would say try out a low investment form of doing that and then slowly build up to it. Because I think what a lot of people will do is uh, they will get discouraged from trying to make the thing they really want to make and then get bothered when they're just making wallets and they're like, well, I, I don't want to, I don't want 17 wallets. I want to get there. And that's what I'm saying. Carter, we're not really in opposite directions where I'm saying, if you want to make a tent, then like try a tent with a, with Tyvek or something really low budget and see how hard it is. And then start to fill in the process, which is why we're not really in a different direction, but don't let that hinder you. Like if you want to make a backpack, don't be like, well, I'm new. I probably can't make it. Go make a bad one. Like I, the first one I ever made is hanging in my cube and it is atrocious. But like the, the second one I made is also in my cube. And that is one that I actually did run my ultra in. It's not great. I would not run with it now, but it did last 
the whole, it lasted a couple trips that I took it on. Like you'll get better much quicker. So let whatever you have inspiring you follow that thing, explore that, but know that you will have to fill in some gaps. For sure. No, I don't, I don't think we're in opposite ways at all. I think it's two different ways of approaching the same topic, which is work your way up the ladder. If you yeah. want, all you want is a backpack. Like I said before, like that doesn't mean you have to start with a stuff stack kit, but if you're inspired, it, it depends on what you, what the reason you're making things is for yeah. by regarding <laughs> sense prepositional phrase. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I start, for instance, I'm the opposite. I started with a stuff sack and I made it and I was like, I'm so proud of this. This is awesome. I made something. I was creative. I knew I wanted to make other things, but I didn't have like a specific mm-hmm. idea. Like, oh, I need, I want this backpack for my mountaineering trip. It was like, I want to make stuff. It's going to save me money. Uh, it's a cool skill to have. And so I kind of followed the more traditional ladder. But either way, try to start small, do your research, that type of deal. The other day I sent you the picture of my one of my very first uh roll top not dry bags remember that yeah it was a roll top wet bag (laughs) i used uh one inch tubular webbing from rei on that thing and like hobby lobby ripstop were you gonna say something avery yeah i was just gonna chime in one thing about this project ladder as someone that gets overwhelmed very easily um even if you are working your way up the project ladder and you get to a larger project that has multiple steps, try to envision that very large project as maybe 10 small projects. So if you are making a backpack, it's going to give you a hundred different steps. Don't get overwhelmed by the big idea of the finished project of the pack, but think of that pack as 10 smaller projects. So that might be just making the straps or just making the hip belts or just making the panels. If you kind of break it up for yourself, at least for me, it kind of helps uh, get through the, uh, the mountain that's in your mind that you feel like you're never going to make it to the top. But, um, and it's probably similar for anyone who outdoor recreates. If you're doing a hundred mile race, you're probably not thinking of all hundred miles at the same time. You're probably thinking two and a half miles at a time or however it is. So just if you're working with a larger scale project, try to break that down for yourself into smaller mini projects. Um, so you're not getting as overwhelmed with the project as a whole. Yeah, I think that's awesome. That's the way that I work as well, right? Yeah. Like th- that's a really good point. I also think that, if you are working your way up that small project ladder and you make a mistake and it's really important, you might come to number nine, which is do not be afraid to seam rip or rip those seams. Um, As you're getting comfortable, as you're making things, another reason why I recommend like starting with smaller projects is you're going to be able, you're going to get to like master some of the smaller skills like using a seam ripper before you get to the to the big thing but either way don't be afraid to do that there's a proper way to rip seams there are tons of videos out on youtube about this um basically if you're just careful and you don't go extremely aggressively hard you're you'll be fine and you'll be able to fix that problem don't give up if you know your tension was bad or you missed a some like piece of grain that you needed to embed in the seam calmly seam rip it. It might take a while if you're doing it correctly, but it can, 
it can like save your project and it's not that big of a deal. Don't be don't be too hard on yourself. People have to seam rip stuff. I have to seam rip stuff all the time. Like but knowing that you can do that and you have that skill, I think is really powerful because then you don't feel like, okay, this is make it or break it. If I mess up this seam, my project's over. Usually that's not true. So yeah. Don't be afraid to rip a seam. What's the biggest thing you've ever had to seam rip? An entire tarp. Seriously? Like a whole ridge line? Yeah. What happened? Uh, I was using a binding attachment, and something happened happened with the grow grain that I was using to bind it, and it missed the grow grain all the way down. Like, and so I had to I seam ripped the entire thing, and then I just trimmed off like right where I sewed it because I didn't want any stitch lines there because I was yeah. trying to make a tarp with like a standing ridge seam so that you don't have to seam seal it. Uh, so yeah. by having those needle holes there, I just ruined it, yeah. <laughs> but I seam ripped it and then I just cut a thin strip off and I sewed it again and totally fine. It's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. If I would have gotten mad, I'm mean, like, this is terrible. Then I would have all the time I spent designing the tarp and buying the fabric, getting my machine set up would have been, you know, I would still would have learned something from it, but no by just being like, show. Hey, I can definitely <laughs> fix this. Like if I'm smart enough or maybe dumb enough to build this tarp, then I'm smart enough to like fix this small problem. I was going to say too, uh, for me, ripping seams is similar to how I feel when I'm hiking, when I'm tired. It's typically at the end of the day, I start kicking a bunch of rocks and tripping and then the curse words start flowing. (laughs) If you're at a point where you're sewing and you just keep messing up and having to bust out that seam ripper, it's probably a good idea to just like take a step back for your mental health and give yourself some space from the project. I know if you're anything like me and you make a mistake, you tend to get frustrated, which tends to create more mistakes. So yeah, give yourself the space that you need to know when to take a break, step away and just breathe for a second. Um, It's also okay to say some cuss words. That's fine. But yeah, I think (laughs) giving yourself some grace knowing that it's okay, but also knowing that you don't have to power through and finish it in one fail swoop. It's okay to take a step back because you might just end up creating more mistakes as you're trying to fix the one mistake you just made. <laughs> Avery, just, Avery just called me out in the nicest way possible. <laughs> you got to know when to hold up. I, that's, when to fold up. that's like prime example of me right there is being in the middle of a project. Be like, I got to finish it right now. Yeah, I get mad at him. All the time for that, even though I shouldn't get mad at him, but I do. <laughs> that's that's why I had to seam rip the entire backpack apart. <laughs> yeah. James was like, oh, I don't think I have the right hardware. That's nah, okay. I'm going to use Amsteel. <laughs> I don't need shock cord. <laughs> uh, all right. Number 10. Do not. This is the opposite of number nine almost. Well. No. It's the opposite <laughs> of whatever. Number 10 is do not be afraid to send it. That was slightly of our fingerprint, not exactly ChatGPT, but yeah. So basically, as we went through this list, we have a lot of don'ts. We have a lot of do not. Like that's the whole point of the Dagum list. But it was important to us uh, that, like you know, when we say, "Hey, start small," or "Hey, like take your time," that we're not discouraging you, like we said a few times now, from just putting yourself out there and making what you want. Like we want you to be able to make great gear for yourself or someone else or reduce stress in your life or whatever making your own stuff or designing your own stuff does for you. 
That's the most important thing. Of course, if you're a small business, that's a little different. You know, you want to stay afloat, so. <laughs> Would recommend. Right. Um, but yeah, don't be afraid to just put yourself out there. Making stuff is scary. Sewing can be scary when you first start out. Just don't be afraid to go for it. And that's kind of what I was saying about like the the thread thing. Like if you have thread and you want to make something, just send it, just make it. And you'll still learn something. And most likely you'll have something that you're proud of and that's useful to you. So even though there are some steps that you want to take to probably give yourself the best journey, don't let that prevent you from just having a journey at all. I am not the most skilled sewer at the company or in general at all. I'm fairly new. I started literally three years ago, almost to the day. Like I said, the other day when I sent Carter that picture, that was like the picture I took when I made my first stuff sack. Uh, all that being said, though, I've had very, very few things fail catastrophically. Like out of all the stuff that I've made and that I've made badly, I've had a one actual failure on trail, which was I was able to manage my shoulder where I attached the shoulder strap to one of my fast packs. It came out, but the way I designed it just so not intentionally, I was able to like loop some string through the strap and then over to the pack somewhere. And I was able to finish like the rest of like the five mile run on grandfather mountain with that intact. So that's like, that's the only failure that I've ever had. And I've taken my bags on century rides i've run marathons i've done fairly big hikes i've been like up in the whites uh this is not like a bragging session all this is like don't be afraid to to send it right let trust that your pack will hold up i'm using the same thread needle that you are i probably have less skill than you do i just have maybe a little bit less concern for myself which i'm not saying it's a good thing but like it's gonna be okay if my stuff hasn't failed I feel pretty confident that wherever you're making, whatever you're making will probably be fine. I also want to add to not being afraid to send it. Don't be afraid to be curious and to ask questions. I know a lot of things we said, do your research, go on Google, go on Reddit. But a part of that too is asking other people who have done the same thing. If you see someone's already made a quilt and you don't understand step nine, of your quilt instructions, don't be afraid to reach out to that person and send them a message. More than likely, if someone has posted a project on social media or Reddit, they're going to be happy to answer your questions and also probably pretty flattered. So don't be afraid to reach out to someone that you admire, you think did a really great job on your backpack and say, hey, I have a really hard time with straps and getting through all the layers or whatever and ask them their thoughts. People in the MIOG community are so helpful and so nice. It's one of the reasons I love what I do personally, but the community is so connected and really just wants to help. I don't think I've come across anyone that is uh, like safeguarding anything or is uh, rude or doesn't want to help you. Everyone is super kind and friendly. So don't be afraid to be curious and to ask that person a question because you never know how that could help improve uh, your next project. For sure, dog. Yeah. Get out there and rip some seams and zip some things and dude, sew some strings. And You're not nesting. You're not besting, dude. Yeah. That's what they say. Yes. Uh, this so, is turning yeah. into a Dr. Let's Seuss a on this. chat GPT <laughs> <Hopefully>. episode. <laughs> Hopefully all these uh, advices 
uh, have helped you and maybe you feel a little bit more confident or now you have a plan in place for how you're going to make your next thing. If not, hopefully you laughed at something that Jameson said. Um, yeah, I'm the funny guy here for sure. And yeah, we really appreciate you listening. And if you have any questions, again, you don't have to go to Reddit. You can come to us. Uh, both is probably the best of the best thing. Um, but yeah, most important rule of all of these is don't be afraid to send it. I've got one, one, actually, one other question. Who first, when Avery's talking about like, who would you, uh, when Avery's talking about people that have made stuff that you can ask questions to, I had some people come to mind, which led to my question of who would you recommend people follow when of just like general makers that make a ton of stuff that like sharing stuff with the community? Oh, there's a lot of them. Ultralight enchilada on Reddit. Pretty sick. Uh, uh, learn myog obviously. Tim, Mr. Tim. Uh, I don't know who else. I follow so many people. I, the first person I thought of was like George Washington Carver for some reason. I, <laughs> I follow him. He makes like really good stuff. Avery. Um, I was gonna throw out Francesca, made by Francesca. She's one of our maker sponsors, and she highlights all of her stories. But recently has been posting patterns she really likes why she likes them giving really detailed write-ups of pros and cons she's also super helpful just if you have a question of something she's made that you need an answer on uh very helpful in that sense and also to learn in yog tim is such a fabulous resource um he's made himself so available to people that if you're curious or have a question, you can just shoot him an Instagram message. Um, and he's happy to help you, but yeah, those, those are my two go-tos for when I have a question and I need help with something that and Carter. <laughs> oh, and also, uh, sorry, Matt, if people bombard you, but Matt from Red Paw is someone that I often talk to about, you know, maybe it's not exactly the same as saying like, Hey, what thread should I use? But we definitely, talk to each other about like hey there's this new fabric that's coming out like what do you know what what are you going to use it for or hey how did you attach how did you put the frame in your pack like he's also someone uh yeah. that i go to a lot uh with questions as well as levi from nashville pack both of them i think are people that have always been willing to help and answer questions um, but please don't send them like nine thousand emails ask you can ask us first all right, let's wrap this thing up. Those are the 10 things that you should not do when making your own gear. Uh, let us know what you think. Tell us if there's anything we missed. And uh, yeah, make good gear, drink good beer. That's about it. Isaac signing off. Bye, everybody.